Hey, everybody. How you doing? Yeah, that's the Disney on Ice road trip for you. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always on the PHLY Flyers postgame is Charlie O'Connor. And this PHLY Flyers postgame is brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. More on them in just a minute. But, ha, ah, Charlie, the uh, Flyers won three and two in the last six games. I guess where we have to start tonight is I'm already seeing uh, people saying, oh, yeah, just sell now. I've uh, been struggling last three games. <laughs> All the, <laughs> It's very funny the way this is going, but it is kind of what they've been telling us. Like, it just the standings are real close. A bad week could hurt you. And uh, we're kind of having that bad week. It's the Disney on Ice trip, like I said. Um uh, do you think this is them actually running out of gas or just a bump on this road to the playoffs? Well, I think we we discussed this in the weeks leading up to this road trip in that if the Flyers are going to have a bump on the road, it's going to be the Disney on ice trip. You know why? Because it's always the Disney on ice trip. So I, I'm not about to call their season over and say that they're about to go on a 10 game losing streak because they struggled in the Disney on ice trip because they always struggle on this trip. This like hilariously last year was the only year where they didn't and they were terrible like every other week. <laughs> but for the most part, this is kind of just what the Flyers do. I also think that and I'm not on this trip as you guys probably have already guessed, but the people who are who are on the trip, including Jim Jackson, who's obviously covering the team uh, as the play by play guy. It appears that this flu is really going through the team. So if you're looking for a reason as to why they look like they lacked a bit of energy, especially over these last two games, perhaps they are because perhaps a lot of guys in this team are playing it far less than 100% because they're all sick. Obviously, Jim Jackson can't come out and say that they're all sick. He can't point out exactly who is ill, but my guess is, is that quite a few of them are. So that might be playing a role in this. However, and this is something I do want to get into in this postgame show, their issues, their underlying process issues predate the Disney on Ice trip. In the games leading into the Christmas break, the process was starting to have some issues. And really, with the exception of the Vancouver game, which I think was a generally speaking well-played game by the Flyers on the whole, you've seen those same issues pop up over this trip, which is why, even though I'm willing to cut them a break in terms of this being the Disney on Ice trip, they always struggle. And the fact that it seems like there is illness going through the entire team – I don't want to just brush it aside because I do see real issues that they need to address if they want to start winning games once they get back home. And we're going to talk about some of those issues coming up. But first, Charlie, as I mentioned at the top, PHLY Flyers is brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. And Mortgage CS stands for Mortgage Concierge Service. That's right. They are a white glove service. They are here for you. It is all about the customer experience with Mortgage CS. They're here to educate and empower their clients, and they want to help their clients obtain ultra-competitive rates because that's what it's all about. Uh, it's it, Exceptional customer service is their thing, and they mean it. Well, oh, everyone, customer service. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And then, you know, you experience the customer service and go, <laughs> well, I guess this is just industry standard. Everyone sucks. That is not the case when you deal with our pals over at Mortgage CS. They mean it so much. At the end of this, I'm going to give you our, our friend Ben's cell phone number. You can text him. You can text him right now and say, what the hell happened to the Flyers tonight? Now, maybe he'll get back to you in the morning. I it is 11.41 p.m. right now, uh, but he might get back to you. He tells us he's a late-night guy. I'm a late-night guy, uh, but that's what this thing is all about. It's Mortgage CS, and when you hear the word mortgage, think of Mortgage CS. Think of Ben and his partner, Alec, and you can save Ben's telephone number right now, 267-391-7425. Save it in your phone, and you can email Ben at ben at mortgagecs.com. Call or text Ben anytime, day or night, and talk Philly sports. And most importantly, check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to get started. You know, Charlie and I actually sat down with Alec and Ben. This isn't like some, oh, yeah, they gave me some copy to read. I'm just an idiot, so I need to read things. Um, um, 
I'm basically Will Farrell and Anchorman. Uh, but <laughs> we actually had the opportunity to meet with the uh, with the guys over at Mortgage CS, and they are just straight up cool dudes. That's what it seemed like to me. And Charlie and I both bought homes in the last couple of years. And just talking about the process with them, they're explaining a bunch of things, yeah, numbers. Most of it was over my head, much like the mortgage buying process, but they seem to have it down. But just they talked to us about our experience and how stressful it was, how much time we had to put into it ourselves being I don't want to speak for Charlie. He's a pretty smart guy, but basically novices at this whole real estate thing. And they want to make this just an ultra easy situation for everyone because most people are experts in mortgages, buying homes, anything of that nature. They are. This is what they've dedicated themselves to. And uh, I just want to have Charlie chime in on this. When we met with them, it seemed like the community aspect that was important to us at Broad Street Hockey and continues to be an important thing for us building here at PHLY, both for the Flyers and for all the teams. That's kind of their thing, too, and that's why I think it's a great fit we're brought to you by Mortgage CS. Yeah, it, it was really great getting to know uh, both, both Ben and Alec. And I think one of the cool things about their model um, in terms of, of how it works is that you know they want to kind of be your helper throughout the entire process. Even if you're not quite ready to buy a house yet, if that's something that is a few years down the road, they want to just, you know, be there in case you have any ideas. If you have any questions about the process from start to finish, they really just want this to be something where, you know, they're kind of the person you reach out to when you're wondering if you're ready to take that next step or, you know, okay, well, we looked at a house and whatnot. It just, it does seem like they, they really want to be, just be there for you. And I, I think on our side, you know, well, obviously we're doing these ad reads is, is a way that we keep our jobs when we're going to be positioned with someone who's presenting our show. We want to make sure it's someone that we feel like we can trust. And it really does, does seem like Ben and Alec are good people who, uh, who just kind of want to help. And, uh, and, and I'm really happy to have them, them on board as a, as our sponsor for the show. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that you guys will, you know, anyone who is in the market or even thinking about, potentially uh looking into a mortgage i think it's definitely worth uh you know shooting shooting bet text and uh and starting up a uh discourse i think that's important we'll get back to the show in a minute i mean obviously how much do you even want to talk about the flyers right now but it is important i think to like wherever you are in the home buying process dog get started early if you think it's something a year away <laughs> from you find out like let them like let them tell you where you are because they probably have a better idea than you we just showed you the number at the bottom of the screen but mortgagecs.com slash phly for any more info all right they're our presenting sponsor thanks a lot for uh for staying with us through that um where do we even start with this thing tonight charlie i know the big picture idea is like okay what is this team really and John Tortorella told us a couple, uh, I want to say a couple weeks ago, but it was like a week ago. Um, you don't really know what a team is until the end of January because other teams kind of start to ramp up and build up. And we're seeing that yeah. across the league. We saw it across, you know, basically across the ice tonight. The Edmonton Oilers had all sorts of issues to the point that they fired the best winning percentage coach in team history after us. And think about the history of the Edmonton Oilers, the best winning percentage coach in Jay Woodcroft. They just axed him because they were getting horrible goaltending pretty much. Uh, and now total, total Ed Snyder move to be clear. Uh, and total Ed Snyder move. Ed, Ed would have done that in a second. Stu Skinner <laughs> has turned it around. Connor McDavid appears healthy. Uh, Eckholm appears healthy. And now they're on fire. They've won six in a row. I mean, McDavid with the five point night, you just see maybe teams are starting to ramp it up a little bit. Um, I, I hope this isn't a sign of things to come for this team. Just cause dude, watching this game tonight, it was uh, – they made a couple of plays. There were some opportunities, I guess. But for the most part, it was reminiscent of the last two years. Just like, wow, nothing happened, and they lose 5-2. Okay, let's go do a post game, I guess. Like, that's that's how I felt. Yeah, I think – I mean, look, the real story – I honestly didn't know you were done, but eh. <laughs> whatever. Um I honestly think that like the big story of this game is just Connor McDavid. Like that that's really yeah. what it boils down to. 
the Flyers, I thought, in the first period were just overwhelmed as a whole. After the first period, after the second period, they came out stronger. I thought Carter Hart kept them in the game in the first. Second period, they give up that early goal, but then they score twice. They tie the game. And then, not that Connor McDavid hadn't already been playing well leading into that, but it just seemed like that that was the moment when McDavid's just like, nah, we ain't losing tonight. And we've talked about this. This is the thing that the Flyers don't have. They don't have a guy who can just be like, nah, you ain't letting us lose tonight. I'm just that good. I'm going to take this over. Travis Konechny's the closest. Travis Konechny had a good game tonight. Travis Konechny scores a goal. He's involved in the second one as a primary assist on the other. He had a good game. I don't think I am speaking ill of Travis Konechny to say he is nowhere near as good as Connor McDavid. And I'm not <laughs> saying you have to have a Connor McDavid to win a Stanley Cup. Hell, the Edmonton Oilers have not yet won a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid. But you do, it is a big help. Number one, it's a big help when you have Connor McDavid, but it's a big help when you have those kinds of guys, those kinds of guys who can change a game. It just if they're on that night, you ain't beating them. The Flyers don't have that. The Flyers have to do it by committee. And right now, their entire committee, I'm not saying everybody, there are guys, and we'll talk about them in a few minutes, who have been playing quite well throughout this. But there's a lot of players in their committee that ain't pulling their weight right now, at least from a scoring standpoint. And you're not going to be able to overcome Connor McDavid playing his best unless everyone's firing on all cylinders. And not everyone's firing on all cylinders right now for the Flyers. And this is what happens. No, I'm hoping this skid kind of aligns with everybody just being sick. But like you said, some of these issues predate this trip and us being told like, hey, whole locker room sick. Even you mentioned JJ or a minute ago, like, I don't know, didn't seem like Jim Jackson really. I don't want to say didn't have it tonight, like he had a bad game or something, but I, he just seemed like. Yeah, travel's getting to him a little bit. Maybe even yeah. it's spread to the broadcast team, this this illness or whatever that's going around. I do want to talk about, because it's going to be a short conversation, some of the guys who are actually pretty good tonight. Uh, and I think it has to start with one of the dudes we've been talking about on the t- uh, talking about a ton on the show recently, Joel Farabee. He's uh, up on that top line playing a natural position for him the left wing look at that you have a left winger on the uh, at lw1 that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty great john uh but you have him coots and tk and especially in the first half of this game they were phenomenal i thought farabee was all over the place tk like you said he gets the goal uh comes in on the other one sean couturier was for the most part sean couturier tonight even though McDavid ran wild. It wasn't until the end of the, his fifth point was his first one with Coots on the ice. Like, yeah. what are you going to do about that? You know, the best player in the league was the best player in the league. Uh, what'd you see out of Joel Farabee? Is he just continuing to earn some trust from this coaching staff? Yeah. I, I mean, Joel Farabee was one of the Flyers' best players. Carter Hart was great in the first, I would say, first half of the game. Yeah. Then he started to, you know, I don't know, maybe he he got worn down. He was just, he wasn't going to be able to hold the floodgates back for for that long against Connor McDavid. Joel Farabee was real good in this game. I, I know he had a breakaway that got stopped, but like, you know what, guys? A player isn't going to score on every single opportunity. So let, let's not be too critical of him because he did score on a breakaway, whatever. Though Farabee was really good in this game. Like the, the one touch pass he had to set up the connect me goal was just one of those like beautiful when you see when you see it in real time, you think it was an accident and then you slow it down. and You're like, no, that's exactly what he meant to do. It's one of those moments where you just remember just how talented these guys are, like all of these guys, because I really like Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee is not a superstar now. I do not think he's ever going to become a superstar, but the fact that he both thought to do that and executed on it just shows how skilled of a hockey player he is. And then he had a really good play on the Mark Stahl goal too. Um, essentially, you know, carrying the puck into the zone and creating space for himself and his line mates. Look, this was a big game for Farabee because Farabee, well, if you look at the depth chart, like if you look at the depth chart in isolation, you would say, okay, Joel Farabee is, should be their first line left winger on the depth chart. He is their top left-handed shooting wing. However, this year, that hasn't been the case because they've used Owen Tippett on the top line at left wing. They've used Tyson Forrester on the top line at left wing. For whatever reason, Joel Farabee hasn't really gotten an opportunity to play much with Sean Couturier and a lot of times Travis Konechny on that top line. This was his chance. This was his chance to show that he deserves more ice time. He deserves to be in that prime scoring role. Well, guess what? 
he kind of showed that he's ready to be in that prime scoring role. He was already racking up a ton of points at five on five this season. Now, if he stays on a line with Sean Couturier and Travis Konechny, Travis Konechny, their best offensive player, Sean Couturier, their best play driving center by far. I mean, this could be a really exciting stretch for Joel Farabee, even if it ends up not being a super exciting stretch for the Flyers. And that's, I'm not ready to amend my expectations, but if it becomes more about the guys who are going to be here in the future. And it's like, yeah, Cam Atkinson stinks. Also, he's going to get traded or maybe bought out or something at the end of the year. So what? whatever. We're going to talk about Cam plenty. I see most of like half the comments, and we haven't even got to him yet, that Tyler has put up have been like Atkinson stinks. And, man, uh, it, it doesn't seem like a slump. Uh, but I, I just really love the idea of Farabee, Couturier, and Konechny together as right now the top line and fingers crossed in the future an amazing two-way second line for this team uh it's it's real that's an exciting prospect that you can take out of this whole thing but um let's let's talk about cam atkinson uh It's not good, man. Like uh, the scoring slump is one thing. You can almost live with that because he's a veteran. He's one of the leaders. He's a Tortorella guy. It's for so long. It was like, well, he's got breakaways in like five straight games. He's just not putting them away. You got to figure that's going to even out at some point. He's getting chances. And now it's like he's got 10 penalty minutes in the last six games. I think it is. Uh, He just looks he looks like a guy who can't keep up at this level. And I realize a game like tonight ain't no one can keep up with 50% of the lines they throw out at you, you know? So that's one thing, but he doesn't look like um, he's worth a ton. If you were like me, like, ah, they're not going to trade him to the off season, but that's fine. They'll get something. Finding a trade partner for Cam Atkinson looks like it's going to be a difficult task for this team. No. Yeah, it's I'm not saying it's it's impossible if he gets, um, you know, has a good second half, whatever the cap is going up that could help. But look, it's rough. The last time this guy scored a goal was November 11th against L.A. I was there for that game. That was the the, the, the L.A. Anaheim San Jose road trip um, that ended in um, Carolina. I did not go to that game, but I wasn't I was in L.A. for that one. And. He's just, I agree. There was a long period of time where even though he wasn't scoring, he was creating chances and you're like, okay, he's going to figure it out. And if anything, rather than the results rising to meet the process, the process has fallen to meet the results. And now the, now the process is just as, as underwhelming the results. Look, he's gotten older. He obviously missed all of last year. He's 34 years old to me. Like, this isn't totally shocking, and, and and I'm of the opinion I think at some point he's going to get it back going again. Maybe not to to a degree that will satisfy fans who are just going to be like, well, he hasn't scored in 20 games, so he's got to score 10 goals to make up for that. Fair. I'm not expecting that to happen, but I am expecting him to eventually start scoring. The thing that's frustrating to me, and this was very frustrating to me watching this game, it wasn't even how poorly Atkinson was playing. Don't get me wrong. He was playing poorly. And obviously that penalty was an absolute killer. The one that leads to the goal, the one that was completely and totally unnecessary. It was how much ice time he was getting in this game. Like at the end of two periods, he had more ice time than any other forward on the team. He finishes the game with 19 minutes, 31 seconds. That's second on the flyers. Like John, if you're going to preach accountability and you're going to say that, you know, Hey, if guys make mistakes and if guys do what I don't do what I'm telling them to do, they're not going to like their ice time. Like I get that you and Cam go back a long way and I get that you trust him and I get that you want him to come out of the slump, but he shouldn't be in the top half of the, the forward ice time chart. He just shouldn't be. He doesn't deserve it. It's this is one of those. Okay, so the personal bias is like, listen, you bring in coaches. I know people, but like you bring in a coach for his personal biases. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know, let the computer run the team. But at a certain point, the coach has to take a step back. And if this dude's getting 20 minutes, um, I know we always say coaches don't tank. There ain't no other explanation for it. Either he's an idiot or he's trying not to win because you have guys – 
like Joel Farabee that can't even buy fucking power play time when he's <laughs> leading the team in scoring. And then here's Cam Atkinson playing damn near 20 minutes. Uh, that's inexplicable to me. And I know I have really changed my tune on John Tortorella over the last 18 months. I thought it was inevitable that he was hired and I did not want that to be the case. However, everything pretty much that he's said and done in this you know, last year and a half since he's been the coach, I've kind of been like, I see the reasoning behind it. Even if I don't agree with it, I can go, I understand your thinking here. Um, Mark Stahl getting top four minutes makes more sense than Cam Atkinson getting tw- – like, that's inexcusable. He's playing horribly. You can say we're keeping him in there because we want to give him a chance to play his way through it, but, like, I don't know, man. You demoted Scott Lawton to the fourth line, and he's the only dude wearing a letter. This guy does nothing for you. He's killing you right now. The one thing you can't do against Edmonton – listen, Edmonton, they just have those guys, right? And maybe if it's this whole game's played at five-on-five, five, the outcome is exactly the same. You can't give them that opportunity, and here he is just defending with his stick. Of course they're going to step on your stick and draw the trip. Like, as soon as they see it out there, it's ingrained. Like, it's just – it's really hard to justify his spot in the lineup right now. Yeah, I guess my thing with this is that it wasn't even just the penalty. It no. was the circumstances of the game. You know, Torts has talked about this a lot over the last few weeks is that we have to get better at playing to the time of the game. We have to be have a better understanding as a group of, of the key moments of games. So the Flyers, the entire first period, they kind of got boat race. Carter Hart keeps them in the game. Then they give up another goal to go down to nothing. Then you have the uh, the Couturier Konechny Farabee line basically just puts the team on their back and single-handedly ties the game. And suddenly you have the opportunity to go into that second intermission with a tie score and having the Oilers spend, you know, 18 minutes in, in their locker room being like, well, shit, we just can't get past this team. Like we're out playing them. We're the better team. And somehow we're tied. And then maybe you get into their heads a little bit. Then you have the opportunity to make some adjustments. And suddenly the third period, it becomes win a period, win a game. Instead, what happens? Cam Atkinson takes a, a really bad penalty. And then immediately the Oilers score on it. I'm going to ask you this, Bill, because this is something that came to mind. It came to my mind after watching that, after watching Cam Atkinson be right back out on the ice in the third period. If Morgan Frost takes that penalty, does he get another shift? (laughs) This this calendar year or in the game? Because the answer to both might be fucking no. Like, I... Maybe this thing works itself out like Cam, uh, Cam, uh, Noah Cates is skating. We got to assume he's going to be back kind of soon. Uh, but no, that's a great, like, if it was one of those dudes, we saw, I mean, we saw Joel Farabee play 56 yep. seconds of a game, two shifts, 56 seconds, made a single mistake. Now, apparently, it was a mistake that he'd been told or the team as a whole had been told multiple times, stop doing this. And he did it. So, okay. Uh, but like, Bill, do, do you not, this do, you is not asinine. Think, do you not think that they were not told probably like seven times before the start of the game? Don't take dumb penalties against Connor McDavid. Like, come on. I mean, the entire, the entire pregame speech needs to be stay out of the goddamn box now like listen you hit someone and it's like ah you got your hands up a little it's a but like stick penalties man no yeah absolutely not so it's that is i mean i know we've used morgan frost as the example so many times it's almost lost its meaning now but we have seen other guys punished like we have seen cam york punished we have seen joel we saw travis connectney benched last season like Cam Atkinson playing 20 minutes, it's almost a joke on us. Like that's yep. it's I, I gotta do this now. And and, and, uh, and I get like I get it. One more thing, but I get that Tortorella wants to let him play him his way out of it. I get it. And I know that Tortorella has a lot of personal affection for Cam Atkinson. I know he really likes him a lot as a person. I get it. I get that, but there's limits. Like, I'm not necessarily saying you got to scratch Cam Atkinson. I am saying, though, that if you're going to be preaching accountability to everybody else, you can't not have that accountability apply to Cam Atkinson just because he's your dude. That's, we just got the comment. How is Rocky Thompson still employed? I guess we'll get to the power play, but like, 
why at some point. I think I just accepted it is what it is. Yeah, it's the the funniest part of the power play is people are still like, oh, my God, this power play. Like, yeah, man, that was a month ago. (laughs) And no, it's like it's unacceptable. It's unacceptably bad. But like, I, I guess it's not. I always say I get mad when people call something unacceptable and then they just accept it. I guess it's not unacceptable because I'm like, oh, what the fuck are they gonna do? Like, it's yeah. Oh yeah, they could they could switch tip it and uh, like they could make uh, like Farabee like they could put all these guys on their one timer side. Uh, they're still not scoring. So what do you? I'm, I'm almost I'm almost mad that the Eagles went and like basically kind of fired Sean Desai because now fans <laughs> think that like that the same thing can happen in hockey when like it happens in the NFL way more frequently than it happens in hockey. But like we all think, well, if they did it, even though that didn't work either. But if they did it, then why can't Torts do it? Like I really, really, really do not envision a scenario where John Tortorella and the Flyers fire Rocky Thompson midway through the season. I'm not saying the power play is good. It's not. It's real bad. But this doesn't happen in the NHL midseason unless you fire the entire coaching staff. That's the only way assistants get fired. And one thing I'll say, and we've brought this up before, he's not just the power play coach, you know? And I, it's not as if the Flyers have the most impressive uh offense but i will say a lot of these guys have improved or taken a step or gotten the most out of them in this like so far this season uh that's you know i i think he might be doing a good enough job with the forwards to keep his job but the power play what's going on it's it is costing them at this point like they're not winning games they could be a lot it, at least a lot more competitive in some games, if not flat out winning them, if their power play was not even just not even good, just not the worst. Like I just saw someone it's they're they're three for 56 on the road. That's impossible. Not, not great, Bob. Like just those increments of time, you would expect more than three goals, whether they had four or five guys like I, they have more short. They had three shorthanded goals in one game on the road this year they have three power play goals in total like that seems mathematically impossible you know what isn't impossible but it seems like it is how delicious bagels and company's bagels are if you want the absolute best brooklyn styled bagels made with philly love you got to go to bagels and company huge bagels the biggest bagels in philly uh with a large variety usually around 15 to 20 different types types to choose from daily seasonal bagels as well for instance the uh, christmas flavored bagel that took a big bite of at the reading terminal show and when you have a ton of different kinds of bagels You need a ton of different kinds of cream cheeses. Bagels and Company has you covered there as well. Largest cream cheese variety, 30 different flavors, staples and seasonal favorites, anything you want to put on your bagel. Uh, They have some sports themes, 76ers cream cheese, Phillies uh, type of stuff. You know, you're having a party. You know, Eagles, maybe you're having a playoff party. You're get, get get the one in, get that one playoff party in. You're not <laughs> gonna wanna miss that. <laughs> you're, yeah, right. you're not gonna want to miss that. Maybe a tailgate if they end up playing a home game. Who's to say? Bagels and company has you covered. You can get sports themed bagels, all sorts of stuff. And they are an affordable brand. A lot of food for cheap, and who doesn't love that? So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to the bagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. Um, One interesting, I suppose, lineup decision made by John Tortorella tonight in the final game of this never-ending Disney on Ice trip. Nick Delorier scratched. Um, Wow. Did not see that one coming. Now, we don't have confirmation of, listen, like, if he's just that sick, maybe he can't play, but... Uh, it's a game where you'd think maybe, okay, maybe they want to go seven defensemen because it's really hard to keep up with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, okay, how much of an impact is the goon going to have? So maybe it's just a matchup thing. What do you think happened? Do you have any information on it? I don't have any information on it. I'm obviously not on this trip. However, you know, I could see it being a combination of a couple of things. Like maybe Delorier is a little bit sick. And that might have played into it. Probably 
generally speaking, when guys are out of the lineup like this, usually Flyers PR will ultimately tell us if they're injured or sick or whatever. They usually send out a, a report. So the fact that they didn't tells me that most likely he could have played. However, it's possible that he could have played, but he's also sick and they're looking at it as well, you know, if it's 80% of Travis Konechny, we're still playing Travis Konechny. If it's 80% of Nick Delorier, maybe we're not playing Nick Delorier. Also, the Oilers aren't a team that has much in the way of goons. Like they are not a they're not a fighting team. This isn't necessarily a team. This isn't like the Islanders where you feel like, you know, we got to dress Nick Delorier because if we don't, then they're big guys. They're Matt. They're, you know, all, all those, those fourth line guys that they have. It's like half their freaking lineup. But like one of those guys isn't going to take a run at one of our kids. So we got to have Nick Delorier in there. I don't think that calculation necessarily plays into a, a matchup against Edmonton as much as it does against other teams. Number three, I also think the fact that Edmonton's a really fast team probably plays into this. They play fast. They have the fastest functional skater maybe ever. Nick Delorier, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't have some strong points. I think he's relatively sound defensively in terms of positioning. He's a decent enough penalty killer. He certainly is beloved amongst his teammates and can kick the shit out of people in fights. But like he ain't keeping up with Connor McDavid. And maybe the thought process is, is like, hey, if you know, if if Scott Lawton and Garnet Hathaway get stuck out there in a shift against Connor McDavid, they might be able to hang on. If Nick Delore is out there, he's he's toast. It's over, especially if he's sick. So let's just remove that possibility from the equation because we're on the road. They're going to be chasing matchups, which they did. So yeah. maybe we just remove that possibility from the equation entirely. And then the final factor, honestly, John Tortorella said to me on mo- multiple occasions that while – Igor Zamola's playing time is going to be prioritized. His development is going to be prioritized over Mark Stahl. He doesn't want Mark Stahl to get too cold. He wants to get Mark Stahl in games. And they can't justify right now removing Igor Zamola from the lineup. He's he's producing. He's actually producing. He's on the friggin' top power play unit. They're not going to pull Zamola out of the lineup. So the only way to get Stahl in no longer is just pulling Zamola out for a game because they can't justify it. So they got to find other ways. And I my guess is that given all the other factors that I mentioned, Delorier just made sense as a guy to get pulled out for one game. That's my guess. I think it was not just one thing. It was a bunch of things. Yeah, like just the like just thinking of matchups. If I'm if I'm on the Edmonton bench and I see Nick Delorier out there, hey, ninety seven, get your ass up. <laughs> like exactly, you, you're getting double shifted. Yeah, like yeah. hop the boards, you're going back out. Like, and <laughs> I, that's just and like this is. Listen, he's better than everyone. We saw the stats tonight. Since he came into the league, he's like 120 or more points ahead of anyone else. Like he's ridiculous. You have a guy out there. It's and again, who do, who does Edmonton have that really runs around like Evander Kane? Garnet Hathaway, yeah, right. Evander Kane. He's not exactly, exactly. a heavy. He's 210 exactly. pounds. Hathaway can take care of that. So maybe it's just a matchup thing, but it does open the door for it to happen a little more in the future because it's just something yeah. we were like, we'll see. But there hasn't been much of an appetite for it to this point. Um, but with the matchup tonight, like maybe seven defensemen is the way to go and getting like stall is better than whatever else we could have done, like a Rhett Gardner situation or whatever. And we want to get stall in some games and Hey, he scored a goal tonight. So good for him. That was pretty yeah. cool to see. Was happy for the guy to put one in um, six minutes and 52 seconds of ice time. And he scored a goal. That's efficiency. Yeah. Like that's the, uh, like, it's not as if he plays. It, it's not like you're wasting, oh, that ice time, like the Cam Atkinson ice time, where it's like, this could be going to literally anyone else and it would be a better investment at this point. Like, I don't know, those six minutes, uh, who, who are you giving him to? That said, if we're going down this path of, well, Delorier doesn't need to play every night, and I'm going to get back to Atkinson in a second, like, maybe he can come out of the line. Like, if Delorier can, maybe it's Atkinson. Do you think we're closer to maybe a Tuamala call up? You know, they brought up Lixell, didn't really seem to enjoy the idea of putting him in. Rack Gardner's here, I guess, just in case of injury, but even with Delorier out for whatever reason tonight, they go seven defensemen rather than that. Right. Do you think maybe, I, and I guess it's Samu Tuamala, but anyone else, do you think we could be getting closer? So 
I do think they are very high on Sam Matuamala, and I do suspect that if they were to call someone up for a spark and also the idea of, hey, he deserves it, it would be Tuamala. He's been real good. They've really liked what they've seen. Briere mentioned his name to me without prompting in the interview I did with him in Colorado in, a, in earlier December. So I think they're happy with him. The one thing, though, that I think might give them pause is that they're already going to have some serious lineup decisions to make once Noah Cates comes back. And Noah Cates is close. Uh, per the, the beats that are on this trip, he's been skating. I looked at his uh, his time frame for return. It appears that uh, the first game, based on the initial time frame that we were given uh, from uh, from the Flyers after his uh, his injury was announced, um, the soonest he could be back, based on that timeline, would be next Wednesday at home against Montreal. So we're talking about three more games. I don't know if that's ultimately when he's going to come back. Assume the fact that he's skating is a good sign, is a sign that he's probably on track to maybe back around the the high end of that timeline. That's a good sign. But if you're already going to have to make decisions on how to get Kate's back in the lineup, I don't know if you're necessarily going to want to throw another variable in by calling up to Amala, because if you call him up, you're going to want to play him. This isn't Lexell. Lexell is kind of like a, a pseudo prospect. To Amala is legitimately a prospect. If you call him up, he's playing. So I just don't know if they want to add another variable into what's already going to be a difficult decision for Tortorella once Cates comes back, because they're going to want to have Cates in. Who do they sit? I don't know. You know, there's obviously Morgan Frost because he's the, in case of emergency, sit Morgan Frost button. But Frost is outplaying guys like Atkinson. He's outplaying guys like Lawton. He's outplaying guys like Delorier. So there are other options to come out for Noah Cates. And they already opened the door in that final game, uh, the final game that Cates played, that Cates can play the wing. It doesn't have to be a center that sits. They can sit a wing and they can move Cates back over to wing when he comes back. Not saying that's what they're going to do, but they've opened the door to doing that, which means you've opened the door to sitting literally anyone in the lineup to get Noah Cates back in. That to me is going to be the interesting thing, because if you want to have an, an excuse to sit, you know, to sit Nick Delorier more, there's your excuse when Noah Cates comes back. If you want to have the excuse to, you know, showcase that accountability and give Cam Atkinson a seat for one game, Noah Cates coming back will give you that opportunity. We'll see if they take it. So we have talked about maybe there being some sort of not softening of John Tortorella, but the the, the scratch of Travis Sanheim in Calgary was a real inflection point for the locker room last season. And now this year we see, all right, you know, uh, there's some guys starting the season with clean slates, even if they didn't maybe make the best impression on Tortorella last year, we see Carter Hart. Um, it's made a priority. It seemed like to get him in, in Seattle and Edmonton in his, you know, where he used to play juniors and where he's basically from like those were, that was, uh, that was an important thing. The Flyers next game with Cam Atkinson having absolutely sucked for about, I mean, he hasn't sucked for over a month, but he hasn't scored in over a month. And for the very recently he has sucked. Um, they're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, it is in Philly, so it's not as if they're going right. up against, like, you know, he was in Columbus last year when he wasn't with the team. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's yeah. practicing with the Flyers. No, the Flyers are in Columbus, and he showed up. Like, he showed up to work. That's basically what happened. Uh, do you think there's an actual possibility he could come out of the lineup, Atkinson uh, could come out of the lineup against the Blue Jackets as soon as Thursday? No. Look, with John Tortorella, nothing would completely blow me away. You never know with that guy. But to me, if they were considering sitting him, why wouldn't you have pulled back his ice time dramatically in the third period after making that bad decision? Like, I, I don't know. That didn't strike me as a coach that was so angry with Cam Atkinson for that dumb penalty that you have to worry about him getting scratched the next game, especially the Columbus element to it. Again, these guys go back. I mean, these guys go back to the Columbus days. They've, they've butted heads before where they've came out of this relationship as strong as I think any relationship he's had with, with a player, especially on this team, but maybe any player he's ever had. I do not see him doing that to Cam Atkinson. Not only that, I don't think he thinks it's the right move. Because if he thought it was the right move, he wouldn't have given him 1930 tonight. That is, it's concerning. 
Um, it's just very. It's the thing we worried about with Tortorella. Like I said, like if he's going to be so stubborn about certain things. Now, overall, I think he's doing a damn good job. Like this team has overachieved to uh, kind of a ridiculous degree, thinking about what we thought of them in August and September. But he's this Atkinson's just giving you nothing right now. And if the coach has a blind spot like that, it worries you about other blind spots in the future. That said, Nick Delorier sat tonight. We've seen Scott Lawton demoted. He doesn't seem as Mark Stahl is a rotational defenseman. Yeah, Mark that. Stahl. He's, a, he's the number seven. And when he plays, like tonight, seven minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not as if he's doing this with all of the guys. Like we used to uh, last time we were together, joking about Dave Hackstall, like his final game, the like his masterpiece. Like, yup. <laughs> Limblom's sitting in Latera's playing, baby. <laughs> like he's not that, but this is one of those things that you just go, ooh, you gotta, you gotta get this together. So we will see what happens on Thursday. If you want to see what happens on Thursday when the Flyers finally return home, I keep telling you, you gotta do it with game time, baby, because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I started laughing in the middle of that. Because I'm just like thinking, uh, reading, but thinking ahead to what we're going to do coming out of it. I was like, all right, well, we got to get the Charlie's three stars. And I'm just like, do I do I guess who they were? It, my guess is just going to be McDavid one, two and three. So without further ado, probably what it should be. <laughs> I mean, without further ado, let's get to Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Let's uh, I mean. Star number three. Let's just build up to McDavid, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, as I've as we've discussed, we do want to have a little bit of a bias towards Flyers players. And there were some Flyers players that played quite well. For most of the first half of the game, I thought Carter Hart was going to be one of them. In the end, I don't think he was terrible. He made a ton of great saves, but he also gave up five goals. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make him one of the three stars. Third star, I'll give it to Joel Farabee. Thought he had a really yeah. strong game. Really, really impressed with him uh, rising to the occasion of getting the opportunity to be on that first line. And despite the fact that the team as a whole didn't have a great game, I think Farabee had a strong game. And I think he showed he did nothing to lose that spot. I think that they they should keep that line together for a little bit longer. And look, I don't know if if that trio even makes sense to keep together from a lineup construction standpoint long-term because look, this is a team that has to win with depth. And by, by putting those three on a line together, you're basically putting your three best five on five forwards on a line together. You're stacking that top line. Sure. But you're weakening lines two and three by not having any of those guys helping out other players. That said, I do think there's something to be said about learning if Farabee can keep this up on the first line for a little bit. So I would at least keep him up there for a few games, for a few more games. And maybe you ultimately have to shake it up a bit, but maybe the guy you shake up is connecting. You know, maybe you move him down a line too and you keep Farabee with, with Couturier if he keeps doing what he's doing. But to me, like Farabee did everything he had to do tonight to show that he deserves to get up a longer look in this first line role. Maybe it's taken them too long to give him the opportunity, but at least he's finally getting the opportunity now. And if tonight was any indication, it looks like he's running with it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone will have an argument with that one. And, you know, like when I said earlier, having Farabee and connect me with Couturier as a second line, 
that's down the line when they have a first line. And hopefully some of these young guys fill out your bottom of the lineup depth. And, but like right now, yeah, it's fun to have that. And it kind of, kind of makes up for their lack of that one game breaker. It's like, okay, well, at least we have a line we can put out there that will win a majority of their shifts. Even if we don't have that one dude who would just, McDavid takes the ice and it's like, well, here's three scoring chances. One of them's probably going in. Uh, like They don't have that, but they do have this line. But we'll see if they keep it together. It was very good. Uh, now let's get to star number two. Yeah, I thought about going with an oiler here because uh, quite a few oil, oilers other than Connor McDavid scored a bunch of points. He had Nugent Hopkins had two goals and, and, and an assist for three points. Zach Hyman, one goal, two assists for three points. But look, I watched this game, okay? <laughs> those guys scored because Connor McDavid made them score like Connor McDavid. It, it, he was just, he was the guy. So for number two star, instead, I am going to go with one Travis Konechny in part because I think he had a strong game, but in large part, because he is very clearly both sick and banged up. And the fact that he like, he's playing probably at like 70, 80% health right now. And the fact that despite that, you know, this is not a guy who's anywhere close to hundred percent. And the fact that he still had, you know, two really, really good plays to basically just push the flyers back into this game to tie it up in the second period. I think connecting deserves a lot of credit. I think honestly, you know, both these last few games for him have been really gutsy games from Travis connecting. And they're the kind of games where, and like, look, I'm not advocating for a guy to play through a broken foot or a broken arm or whatever, but it seems like what this is more for connecting is like, he's just banged up. These are just like bad bruises that he's playing through. And when, when, your star player does that when he's playing through these kind of injuries. I think it doesn't set a bad example for, for the rest of the guys in the team of like, this is what it takes. You know, he's not, he's not, you know, like he's not taking the easy way out. This is Travis Konechny. This is a guy who, who is the top goal scorer on the team, who is the most talented player on the team. And even though we all see the big welt on his foot, he's going out there and not only going out there, but, but working his ass off and, uh, and playing pretty well. No, uh, absolutely really enjoying what we're seeing out of Travis Konechny this year. And listen, when you're out there on the PK where your main mode of generating offense the way they have is like get hit with the puck and then chase it down and score, like you're going to get some bumps and bruises. And when you're playing the John Tortorella way, you're going to go into corners and get physical, get hit. He's doing all that stuff and producing. I do think it's a good example of this is – like, listen, man, when uh, when we get to the playoffs, you're going to be here. That's what the playoffs yeah. are. That, like, I think there's a one of the major reasons the regular season is kind of like almost contact-free hockey now is because everyone looks at each other like there's going to be a death. We can't possibly – we cannot possibly play this way for 82 games and then the playoffs turn into a free-for-all and we have to turn it up from where? From where will we turn it up? Like, you know, the, our access to drugs is only so great now. It's not the 80s. Oh, my anymore. God. I'm just saying, you know, it's not the 80s. <laughs> like, that's all. So we'll we'll see. But I am impressed with Travis connecting as well. And now, man, this is the choice of the century. Star number one. Look, it's obviously Connor McDavid, and he really should be the first, second, and third star of this game. This was his night, and it's not even just that he scored five points. Which, like, yeah, if you watch that game, like that tracks. That that's about what he, it's about what I expected from him to score if he's playing that well. It's the fact that not only did he score five points, but each of those five points was a primary. He had one goal and four primary assists. And like the passes were him passing to a guy who just slam dunked it into an open net. Like for the most part, that's what the goals were. Like yeah. these were Connor McDavid scores or Connor McDavid gifts his teammate a goal. Like it's a Connor McDavid goal that the other guy just happened to put his stick down on the ice and let it go in. Like this was, this may have been, I, I don't even think may, this was the best game I've ever seen Connor McDavid play against the Flyers. I don't think it's the best yeah. game I've ever seen him play period. Cause I've seen him play some pretty friggin' amazing games in the playoffs, but this is the most dominant I have ever seen him against Philadelphia. And it was, it was one of the best games I've seen from an individual player in a pretty damn long time. Honestly, he was phenomenal tonight. And I just like the five points is wild. When you see McDavid at five points, you just got to be like, Ah, so would they win like eight one? No, he had five points. The Oilers scored five goals. He yep. did. 
He did everything. He was there. Sure like, yes, other dudes made play. Like that dry sidle shot, it was sick. Um, like I was just like, Jesus but, the, but the pass, but but, but the, that like, it's pre- yeah, it's, it's preceded by him skating around the entire team and then yeah. threading an incredibly difficult pass across back back across the ice. Like this is McDavid. Like the I, I realized like Hyman took out um, uh, took out uh, Travis Sanheim on the goal where he made the play and it looked like he just kind of broke Sanheim's ankles and it's like nah he got tripped up a little there but McDavid starts and enters inside like on the outside of the left wing faceoff dot in the neutral zone and scores the goal inside of the right wing hash marks like I, yeah. I, I, what are you gonna do? <laughs> what I mean, I, that was probably the one Hart had the best chance at. It's like, well, it's Connor McDavid though, one on out. So, uh, yeah. did he? Did he really? Uh, I do want to ask because since we got into this um, on the broadcast tonight, there was like a point made. It seemed to like bring up that the Oilers have never been to a Cup final, and it's like, well, McDavid, yeah, he's basically as good as Gretzky already. Like he's he's like fourth all time in Art Ross trophies and shit. He he hasn't been in the league that long. I realize it's longer than we think but still like not that long. Uh, And he's got like five Art Ross trophies and (laughs) it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, They were just kind of like harping on the absolute lack of team success though. And uh, do you think there's a possibility that because everyone, so many people, I don't want to say everyone, a vocal contingent of the Flyers fan bases, without one of these guys, we can't do shit, so it's pointless what they're doing, and they have to tank so that they can get one of these guys. Do you think maybe there's a concerted effort to just be like, yeah, doesn't always work, though. I'm not saying this is a JJ brainchild, but like the producer who puts all the graphics and packages together, he's got a boss is all I'm saying. I'm not going to say it's definitely the case because I don't want to put myself in the minds of, of the people running the show at NBC sports Philly. What I will say is that while the tanking idea has a lot of fans on social media and especially among younger segments of the fan base, it is reviled by older fans, generally speaking, and people around the game. And definitely people like Scott Hartnell and Jim Jackson are not going to be sympathetic to the idea of tanking, solving everything. Like, they're just not going to be. Just like the vast majority of people around hockey are not going to be sympathetic to that argument. And you can say that they're being naive. And you could say that, you know, that, they don't understand the way that great teams are built. And that's your prerogative. That's your opinion. But I will say that on average, the older fans are and the more around the game hockey people are, the more opposed they are to the idea of tanking and just like being bad for six years and getting all the great players. It, it runs counter to their entire view of how hockey should be. So could that possibly be playing into it? Maybe. I'm not going to say it's definitely not playing into it. Yeah, everyone, all the old heads around hockey absolutely hate tanking. And, oh, yeah, Pittsburgh just won the draft lottery. That's fucking crazy, (laughs) man. Oh, Chicago just got another one. That's weird. Their first line center was me last year. Oh, that's crazy. Huh, how about that? Oof, weird. Yeah, I just, I, I just found it, like, odd that, like, without the context, yes, great players to be, in that category, it's like why we think like Tom Brady, Tom Brady better than Peyton Manning or better than Dan Marino. Cause like he's got the rings. You need that to like solidify that greatest of all time conversation, but it's asinine not to put it in the context of like, you know, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest uh, never won outside of with his dynasty in Edmonton pre-salary cap, you know, like a team of hall of famers, unless he was surrounded by those hall of famers, didn't win shit. Just it's never put in those contact. I like, Oh wow. McDavid's the best player in the league. Yeah. If you play him 20 fucking minutes, there's another 40. He ain't on the ice. Like a lot can go on in 40 minutes. I, I just, 
the conversation to me is kind of silly and they brought it up several times. Everyone knows I love JJ. Like I'm not criticizing him, just the conversation as a whole. And it was on the flyers broadcast tonight. So, uh, you know, uh, it just annoyed me a little bit uh, before we wrap it up tonight. I got to tell you about our friends at rocket money. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills. Who doesn't love that? I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills by for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. And, you know, it's uh, this time of year, you might be signing up for, say, a subscription service you're only going to use once, like I do this time of year, NJPW World. Uh, It's New Japan Pro Wrestling, Charlie. They have a Tokyo Dome show the beginning of the year. It's on like 1.30 tomorrow morning. I signed up for the subscription service. I will use it tomorrow. I will forget to cancel it. That's where rocket money comes in. Little things like that. Cause it adds up. You know, like, oh, it's nine bucks, 10 bucks. What are you going to do? It's 900 yen. I don't need that. Yes, you do. <laughs> it adds up. I promise you as someone who forgets sure to cancel stuff like this all the time, it absolutely adds up. So uh, check out rocketmoney.com slash P H L Y. Charlie, do you have uh, anything else before we wrap it up tonight? Uh, no, I guess the only thing I have left is uh, we talked a lot on the show about the Flyers, you know, having a poor road trip that they've had some issues leading into the holiday break. Uh, about an hour and a half before puck dropped tonight, I did release an article breaking down the numbers behind those struggles. The fact of the matter is, is that the Flyers, this is really the first time this year where their five on five metrics are going through a legitimate dip because we've talked about all year about how the process has been surprisingly strong. Well, really over the last six, seven games is the first time this season that we've seen an extended dip tonight played into that as well. The article is only for our diehard members though. So if you have not yet subscribed to be a diehard, check that out. If you want to read that article, we also have our most recent article from last week by Alexander Appleyard on Matvey Mitchkov that we broke down last week also for diehards only, he interviewed two of Mitchkoff's teammates uh, over at Sochi. Uh, you're only going to get that kind of coverage here, and there will be more prospect coverage coming for diehard members this month. Just might be coming for me. I might just be doing a little bit of prospect coverage in the coming weeks. So keep well, an eye out for that and sign up and become a diehard member and read all those stories. Based on uh, what we've seen on this road trip, Might not be a bad transition to be making right now, Charlie. This might be lining up well, and I know all of you are interested in Matvey Mitchkov because I checked out the YouTube numbers from last week just to see how the show without me did. Uh, It's one of our most viewed shows ever, which really kind (laughs) of hurt my feelings. But Sorry, Bill. But one first of all, excellent work, and it's it's Mitchkov. I want to know about him too. Everyone's interested in this guy watching a game like tonight. You realize what the Flyers need most. It's him. Uh, so he, uh, maybe you're watching that Cutter Gauthier in World Juniors. He's not bad either. Uh, so all that stuff, prospect coverage coming up. And uh, Charlie's article only for diehards. Go to allphly.com to sign up. You won't regret it. It's a pretty damn good deal. All right, that is about all the time we have for you on tonight's show. We'd like to thank our presenting sponsor for PHLY Flyers, it is Mortgage CS. Make sure you go to mortgagecs.com slash PHLY. If you're in the if you're in the market to buy a home, if you want to buy a home sometime in the future and know what steps you need to take, because that's one of the hardest parts, knowing exactly what you need to do to get ready to buy a home so that when you do it, it's not a mad scramble. And then it's like, well, the house I wanted has been it's it's sold. I already lost it. Like it's it's gone. You need to know what it takes to get in this process. Mortgage CS will help you do that. So thank you to them for sponsoring tonight's show. And thank you to Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. We will be back for 
Thursday's post game when the Flyers return home. Uh, Charlie, I assume you will be up in the press box and joining us remotely. Sure will. I will be back in the studio. So it's been nice having these shows from home over this trip, but it will be nicer if uh, I can watch a hockey game that doesn't make me hate them again. That would be real cool. All right. So for Charlie O'Connor, my name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, Philly. I should have said.